today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com. And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. the 11th chapter of the book of Romans tonight. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. God chose Israel to give to this world the Word of God and to bring forth the Redeemer of mankind. That was Israel's calling. And for some 1,600 years, Israel was the light of the world. And when Christ came on the scene... It was God's will for Israel to accept Christ. Christ would die for the sins of the world. He would be raised from the dead the third day. And then Christ would begin his thousand-year reign over this world. And Israel would then spread the gospel all over the world. That was God's will. But God knew through foreknowledge that Israel would reject Christ, and he turned to the Gentiles, which has come together to form what we know as the church today. Now, you and I, the church, we are the light of the world. And Paul warns us not to be high-minded concerning this thing, and we're not to boast against Israel, thinking that... Um, they were broken off to make room for us. As Paul stated there in verses 18 through 20, Israel was broken off because of their unbelief. And Paul warns the church, if you'll look there in verse 21, he said, If God spared not the natural branches, that's Romans chapter 11, verse 21, If God spared not the natural branches, speaking of Israel, Take heed, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fail severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. Paul goes on to tell how that we, a wild olive tree, an inferior branch, Uh, He goes on to tell how we were grafted into the tree. This is a thing which is not normally done in horticulture. If you look there in verse 24, uh, this is not done in the natural. But when Israel believes, there's coming a day when Israel will turn to God. It'll take the seven-year tribulation period to do it. But when they turn to God, they'll be grafted back into the tree. And Israel will be restored to fulfill their calling 
to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world during the millennium. Now, if you look there in verse 29, Romans 11, verse 29, Paul said, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. I want you to look at that. Now, gifts are the things which God has given to fulfill His calling. And let's take a look at some of these gifts that God gave to Israel. If you'll go back a couple of chapters to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verse 4. Looking at some of the gifts that God gave to Israel, Romans 9 verse 4, Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption? First of all, let me say that it is a gift uh, to be chosen of God to work for Him. If God has called you to work for Him, and He's called everybody, many are called, but few have chosen to accept that call of God. And let me tell you, if you work for the Lord, the benefits are literally out of this world. Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory. That means that the presence and the power of God was with Israel to carry out their calling. Uh, at one point, under the reign of David and Solomon, Israel reached its plateau. They were the greatest nation on the face of the earth at that time, and people traveled from all over the world to go and see the glory and the splendor of Israel. And the covenants. Now, this pertains to all the covenants that God made with Israel, but uh, especially the covenant of salvation by faith, which was given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, which simply says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. And let me just tag this on to that. If you understand Genesis 15, 6 then you pretty much got a handle on the entirety of the Bible. Justification by faith. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Paul went on to say there, uh, in Romans 9 and verse 4, And the giving of the law, that pertains to the law of Moses as well as the rest of the word of God that was given to Israel. And the service of God, that pertains to the tabernacle, the offering up of sacrifices, the priesthood, and, and all of that. And the promises, that pertains to all the prophecies that were given down through the ages as it pertains to Christ who was to come. Verse 5, whose are the fathers and of whom as concerning the flesh Christ came, who is over all, God bless forever. Amen. Christ is the greatest gift of all. Sadly, he was rejected. All of these gifts were given by God to Israel to fulfill their calling which was to be the light of the world and to give to this world God's salvation plan. And God said, His gifts and His calling is without repentance. Look at that. Without 
repentance. That's Romans 11, verse 29. God will not change His mind as it pertains to Israel. Israel is His chosen people. And He has a purpose for them, a mission and a destiny. And although Israel has rejected Christ and they are in a backslidden condition today, sad situation, Paul said that they were blind due to their unbelief. But nevertheless, that does not change the gifts and the calling that God has placed on Israel. And let me take it a step further. That goes for anybody. When God gives gifts, talents, abilities, and a calling on a person's life, they are responsible for the calling that God has placed on their life. Uh, Numbers 23, verse 19, the Bible says that God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. In other words, when the Lord calls somebody, he's not going to change his mind about that call. No matter what the situation of the individual may be, the call remains. Now, you have some who fail the Lord. And because of that failure, they fail to carry out the call of God on their lives. Understand, they're going to have to answer for that. But the call of God remains on that person's life. God doesn't change his mind because of the person's failure. Now, people will change their minds about an individual if there's failure. They'll cause that person to resign their position in the church and even go so far as to kick them out of the church. But the individual that fails... They've got to get it right with God. And then they have to continue to carry out the call that God has placed on their lives. And it can be extremely difficult to do that when everybody's against you. Now, people bring things on themselves. But regardless of the failure, that person has to answer to God for the call. And let me say this, the church and whoever's involved in the situation will have to answer to God for how they treat someone who has failed the Lord. We're to restore such a one and help such a one in their relationship with God and try to help them fulfill their calling. Look at verse 30, Romans 11, verse 30. For as ye in times past have not believed God, that's speaking of the Gentiles, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief. Paul is just simply restating what he said back up in verses 11 through 15. In other words, Israel's failure didn't stop the plan of God. It didn't stop the grace and mercy of God. Uh, from coming to the world, but due to their unbelief, God has now turned to the Gentiles. Look at verse 31. 
Even so have these also now not believed, speaking of Israel, that through your mercy, speaking of the church, they also may obtain mercy. When Israel failed, the Lord grafted in the church, the Gentiles. And in this, the church has done two things. Number one, we've continued to carry on the work of God uh, by being the light of the world concerning God's salvation plan. And number two, we have stood in Israel's place, holding their position during this time. And we're keeping it open for them to return, which they will in the not-too-distant future. So the mercy that God extended to the Gentiles is going to ultimately bring Israel back. And the entirety of the plan of God will come full circle. Look at verse 32. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief that he might have mercy upon all. For 4,000 years the Gentiles did not believe in Jehovah God. Now we have the Jews who do not believe in Jesus Christ. So when you get down to it, all of us have been in a state of unbelief at one time or the other. So God has concluded us all in unbelief, as, as Paul said here. But God has showed us his mercy despite our unbelief. And he's willing to give salvation to anyone who will believe. Verse 33 Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. We don't know it all. <gasps> I know some of you probably do. <laughs> but no, we don't know it all. And... Uh, Probably won't know it all, but does this mean that because we don't know it all, uh, that we shouldn't study to learn all that we can? Of course not. The Bible says that we are to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's Second Timothy 2 and verse 15. Some things in the word of God simply can't be understood with man's natural mind and thinking and intellect. Simply can't be done. So it's going to take the Holy Spirit. Understand this. When you read what Paul wrote, you're not reading something that he wrote from his mere intellect and come out of his mind. He was moved upon by the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit moved on him, searched through his vocabulary, and Paul wrote the exact words that God wanted used in his word. And if the Holy Spirit moved upon Paul to write these things, then we're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit to understand it. That's why Jesus said uh, he's going to send us the Holy Spirit. And in John 16, verse 13, Jesus said, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth. And he'll 
not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. But he will show you things to come. And Paul knew the scriptures. He knew what the prophecies concerning Israel was. But what stumped Paul during this time was how can Israel fulfill their calling that God has placed on them and they've rejected Christ? And the Holy Spirit just gave Paul this revelation that the gifts and the calling are without repentance. How can this be concerning Israel and they have rejected Christ? That was the big question that Paul had in his mind. And as he sought the Lord, the Holy Spirit revealed it to him. And now Paul has wrote this in the book of Romans and here we are now reading about it here. And let me say this, anytime you're reading the Word of God and you don't understand something, go to the author. You can call me up and, call and, and talk to me about it, but go to the author of the book first. He'll reveal things to you and show you things that, that I can't. So, as we said, Paul went to the Lord and the Lord revealed this to him, and God will reveal things to us today as we seek God and ask for his help. Verse 34. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor? No one has counseled God. No one at any time has told God what to do. He is omniscient. That means that he is all-knowing. He knows everything, past, present, and future. We have a hard time just comprehending things that we know that's happened way back in the past. We have a hard time understanding things that are going on right now in the present. God help us with the things that will take place in the future, but God has given us things concerning the future in His Word. Now, He hasn't laid out detail for detail, and there's a lot of questions as it pertains to futuristic events and other things, but I'm fond of making this statement. If we knew everything, then we wouldn't need faith. And the Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, verse 6. So we're, we don't know it all, but I do believe that what God has given us in his word, he wants us to search out the scriptures. For in them, Jesus said, you think you have eternal life. So what God's given us, we're responsible for it. We're to study it, learn what we can, and what we don't understand, we're to have faith and believe God and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us. Verse 35 or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. Now Paul is quoting this from Job chapter 41 verse 11, which says, Who hath prevented me that I should repay him? Whatsoever is under the whole heaven is mine. In this particular passage of Job, uh, God is speaking of Satan. In essence, the Lord is saying that all the trouble and the heartache that Satan has caused down through the many centuries is all going to be brought back on his head. 
The Lord, is, in a sense, is daring Satan and any of his fallen angels to try to stop him. From this and other passages we see it, uh, Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10, we know that Satan's going to have his day. Satan is going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And I'm going to be sitting in a chair somewhere close by with a bag of popcorn. I'm going to see that when that happens. But for now, it is a mystery as to why God has allowed Satan 6,000 years now that we're aware of. Why has God allowed Satan to continue to kill, to steal, and to destroy during this 6,000-year period? Paul referred to it as the mystery of iniquity. There are some things that we're not going to know and understand. God knows why he's allowed this to happen. To us, 6,000 years is a long time. But to God, it's not a long time. Because God is not bound by time as we think of such. God lives in eternity. And 6,000 years compared to eternity is nothing. So... Some of these questions, when you get right down to it, they're not really justified. But at any rate, God's going to wrap it all up pretty soon. Satan's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. His day's coming. Verse 36, For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever Amen. For of him are all things. That pertains to all of creation. And through him are all things. That pertains to the vast knowledge of God. God knows everything. Nothing happens in all of God's creation without him knowing about it first. Everything that happens has to go across God's desk first to be approved we can see that in the book of job chapter one and to him are all things that refers to god's omnipresence he is everywhere at the same time and somebody asked a question how can god be everywhere at the same time i liken it to a soda can you can take a can and set it here on this desk, and I can take my hand and wrap it around that can. My presence is everywhere on that can. God's got the whole world in his hands. Matter of fact, he's got the whole universe in his hands. And we can't even begin to comprehend how big God's universe is, and he's got it all in his hands. You can't comprehend God. God is absolutely huge. God is bigger than whatever your problem is that you're facing. <laughs> Glory to God. He's bigger than whatever problem it is that you're facing. God is everywhere at the same time, and that means that Satan can't do anything without asking God's permission. And anyone who knows the fall of every sparrow, and counts the very hairs on our head. 
constantly. That tells you we're dealing with someone that's got knowledge way above and beyond our understanding. Because I can go ahead and tell you, I don't know the number of hairs on my head. I know it's getting less every day. God ain't got to add none. He's subtracting. But uh, at any rate, that just points to the degree of intelligence and the involvement of God in His creation. And it's just beyond our comprehension. Uh, the phrase there in Romans 11:36, to whom be glory forever, that refers to the fact that all of this portrays the glory of God and will do so forever. And even after 6,000 years of sorrow and heartache caused by Satan, it's going to ultimately fall out to the glory of God. Now, right now, we're in the middle of this thing, whatever the situation may be, and we don't know how in the world God can get any glory out of this. Well, ultimately, when it's all said and done, God's going to get some glory out of it, which means Satan is not going to come out on top. God's going to be the one that comes out on top when it's all said and done. Now, let me say this about that. God doesn't get any glory out of failure. God doesn't get any glory out of sin, disobedience. He does, however, get glory when one repents of the failure and the sin and they get victory over that thing which God has provided victory through Jesus Christ and his finished work at Calvary now that's the only way that God can get the glory out of sin and failure is when we turn to Christ and we accept him as our savior and and ask him to forgive us whenever failure is involved as it pertains to the life of the Christian Paul ended this chapter with the word Amen. In other words, so be it. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you.